This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here. We're getting a picture now, possibly, of my friend uh, in his hip pocket. But anyway, uh, we are going to have a show right now on the Ward Scott Files with Dance Alive National Ballet. Right now, we are in the Manly Warthog Command Center Cave in the Melbourne Law Studio. 50 years of experience. It's the only official law firm. Recording stopped. Are we there, Tim? Okay. The only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, Melbourne Law, and crime prevention, of course. Trying to get synced here with Dance Alive National Ballet broadcasting as they are practicing for Dracula. So, Andy, you configured there. Are you ready? You can't hear anything. I don't know. I was listening to him a moment ago. But anyway, um, we've got to get that going, Andy. So um, are we back there, sir? He can't hear me. Um, anyway, this is always fun whenever the things go malfunctioning on the other end and I have to start doing a show, which I may have to do here. Uh, we're trying to hook up a Dance Alive National Ballet. We're going to talk about Dracula, which I'm going to talk about with you. It's coming up this weekend, Saturday at 2.30 in the afternoon and also in the evening. We're trying to give Dance Alive National Ballet a little plug here, but we can't do it if we can't get connected with them. So um, we will talk about what Dracula is all about. It's um, a, a pretty incredible production. Of course, it was written in 1897, and um, it's uh, been very popular ever since. It's all got uh, a lot of sexual themes and People, you know, praying on each other's blood and things of that nature. So uh, um, let me let me see if I can just break for a moment and let this follow Andy Valadon again. Andy, are you there with me? Yes, I am here. Okay. All right. Well, sir, thank you very much for coming on. You were a frozen image on the screen a moment ago, so I wouldn't take it with anything else. We're good enough right now, okay? Um, okay. Andy Valadon, I've known for a long time. He's from Brazil. And has come here and been with the Pofall Studios and Dance Alive National Ballet for quite a while. And is a fantastic dancer. I mean, I, I, I always have enjoyed watching him fly through the air on stilts, all kinds of crazy things, leaping <laughs> off of um, apparatus. And I, I don't know. And now he's become kind of the elder statesman of the Dance Alive National Ballet. And he has a, a young uh, friend of his who's in the ballet named Gabriel Lopez, uh, who's going to be playing Dracula. Is that right, Andy? Yes, that's right. Uh, he should be with us uh, soon, and I'll present him to everybody. But um, this year, I, I played Dracula here three or four times, uh, <laughs> the, the last shows. But I'm getting... Uh, I, I could still do it, but uh, we got this dancer from Brazil. He's fantastic, and he's uh, like this tall guy with, you know, very imposing figure on stage. And um, I thought I relinquished uh, <laughs> the lead this time and let somebody else take the the, the front. And I put myself in a uh, a second role, and uh, which I'm having a lot of fun with. But uh, we'll um, we'll see what happens there. Gabriel's just uh, entering my my booth here. And he's going to be with us soon. I'm going to actually move chairs here so he can sit. Okay, good. More center, center in the screen there. So, Ward, this is Gabriel. Hey, Gabriel Lopez. How you doing, sir? I've watched you work out uh, a couple of days ago. Andy, I actually dropped by the studio and I watched this uh, – fantastic dancer practicing with his partner whom I've interviewed in the past by the way and um, so really what we were talking about before you came on screen Gabriel is you a young version of Andy 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nah, funny. he's taller and, and taller with a, a more pure school than I am. It's his. <laughs> Well, there's a good Quite 20 years, age, uh, years of age difference between you, I think, isn't there? Possibly. All of 30, I mean, what's 30? I'm 24. He's 24, I'm 50, so, yeah. 24 is 50. Yeah. You're practically half of Andy's age. Yep. Yeah, almost. <laughs> think about that. But let me tell yeah. you something. Hey, Gabrielle, you got big shoes to fill there because Andy has really been, as you know, a fantastic dancer, and he's done everything he's been asked to do, and some of the things have been incredible. And so, good luck. Hang on, man. But, uh, Gabrielle, you know, Bacula, I watched you work out. Man, talk a moment about that. Uh, you were out of breath. Your partner was out of breath. Kim uh, Bennett was <laughs> not quite satisfied and asked you if you wanted to do it again, and I kept whispering to her, my golly, give him a break. <laughs> a break. What, what were you working on there? <laughs> well, it's crazy, um, but it's it's um it's a good work because uh, this uh, this show Dracula it's so dramatic and so uh, we have to to be more artistic than the others because we have a story to to tell and Kim's choreography <laughs> it's really hard for 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 men's because she she loves to do some techniques and some strong parts and has a lot of uh but it is then we dance with the girls so it's hard but um it's exciting you know uh we are dancing and we are waiting for the, the next part and we can and uh we we have to to think about the next next part, so <laughs> yeah, it's well, a great lift too. I saw you doing a lot of lifts, which uh, yeah. I've always been amazed. Um, watched Andy do them over the years. And of course, I know that the female partner helps with that. Uh, there's some timing in that, and that she kind of takes off as you push. And if it goes well, uh, it's really beautiful. If it doesn't go too well, why well, you, you got to <laughs> do it again until it's beautiful. And, uh, so, yeah, and you know, uh, him being like uh, almost a foot higher than I am, taller than I am, uh, it's even worse. It's harder for taller guys to get the girls all the way up there. So it's it's going to be quite, you know, a challenge there. Well, and yes, let's talk about whom you're lifting, whom I've interviewed. She's taller too, as well. Say, for example, you would, I've seen you lift Carla many a time, Carla is pretty demure, you know, you know, she's smaller, much smaller. So uh, you're lifting a larger lady. <laughs> well, in Dracula, he's going to be dancing with Carla uh, and uh, another dancer that's a new dancer to Julie. And they're both very tiny. They're, they're pretty easy to lift. The one you saw him dancing with was Rose. And Rose is a tall lady. Yeah. Yeah. That one... His, his dancing Nutcracker with her um, at the end of the year, that's a, 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 a hardest test there. Rose is our from Ocala, too. She's our Rose, Rosemary Diario, yes, she's from Ocala. She's Ocala, and she's young. I think she's maybe not even 20 yet, if I recall. I don't remember. But she's 21 or 22? 21. 21. 21. So we've got youth out there taking the place of the oh, guys, yeah. you know, and, and carrying on. But uh, and she's tall and, and, and uh, really Gabriel's taller than you. So, Gabriel, how, how tall are you? Um, I don't know by foot, but I have uh, one meter and 84 centimeters. He's uh, a couple of inches shy of six. Okay. So he's so almost six feet and, and, and five, five ten, five eleven. Yeah. yeah. And then Rosemary's how pretty tall too. Oh, right. Rosemary said what five eight? <laughs> very graceful though. Very very graceful. Oh yeah, her. she's beautiful. Beautiful beautiful woman. So, um, what has been the hardest thing about Dracula for you guys to get used to? The hardest thing uh, for me. I think it's the 
the last part of the two variations because we have a grand pirouette that's uh, we have to turn just one leg and it's a moment that in the in the solo that we are so <laughs> tired but uh it's it's uh have to be like in the music and 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 quickly fast and so that's that's the hard part the hardest part for me because we uh, we have to take a breath and <laughs> we are in the turn so it's 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 hard but that's good conditioning. You've got to be very, very good aerobic conditioning. I know that. Um, have you felt that getting a little uh, – have you gotten older, Andy? What have you noticed as a – I know you are magnificent in pushing through knee injuries and things like that. It doesn't <laughs> seem to have bothered you. But there are there are changes that go on in the body, right? I mean, have you yeah, – Right now is just uh... – for instance, I'm, I'm dancing the role of Renfield, you know, the, the guy that eats all the bugs and goes nuts in the, well, the nut house. And uh, Dracula is using him as a, a vessel for, you know, some plans he has. Anyway, um, I've been, like, straining myself to try to get to the end of solos and stuff like that because it's not much about the the... The hurt and the, you know, I had a couple of, of mishaps in the past, like knee injuries and back injury and stuff like that. But right now it's the muscles that um, don't respond the same way. So I've been having a calf muscle pull up every time I'm dancing and that's bothering me a lot. But calf muscle, calf muscle, huh? Calf muscle, yeah. And it's something that didn't used to happen in the beginning. And now happens all the time. So my body is still going. I can do all the stuff I always did. But every now and again, I have these, you know, muscle spasms and stuff that you I never had before. Yeah. You had never had before. And it's just age. And so I'm uh, having a lot of uh, sessions with Claudia Senesak. His, uh, she's, um, helping me with it uh, you know a lot of physiotherapy because the the classes and and preparation in the studio alone are not doing it anymore <laughs> well in case the audience is wondering about the show it's this saturday at 2 30 and then it, in the evening it's 7 30 i think i think i got the times correct and um that's it we're going to have a yes, one day uh, performance on saturday yeah, afternoon is 2 and night 7.30. Afternoon is 2 and uh, night is 7.30. Yeah, there you go. I've been down to the box office. There are still tickets available, but this is a very popular show. And it's a perfect show for Halloween. Uh, it's scary. Um, even when the book <laughs> came out, I researched a little bit before we came on the interview, guys. Written in 1897. And right away, it was um, scary. Um the whole idea of a vampire and the whole idea of, of um, you know, taking blood out of people's bodies <laughs> and, and um, yep. getting away with it and then having to kill a vampire. I think the vampire has to be killed with a silver stake. Am I correct? Uh, maybe it's a wooden stake. Wooden stake. Wooden stake. Yeah. Do you dramatize that in, in, the, uh, in the dance? Do you do that? Oh, yeah. Many times. Wow. We, we killed the... the the first uh, the the lady we killed Carla after she turns into a vampire. Yeah, and then we kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel, is this the first time you've done Dracula? Yeah, it's the first time that I have this contact with with Dracula. It, it's been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so you found it challenging as well, right? Yeah, of, yeah, for and sure. And what is it that, so that people understand dance? See, people think, because it looks so easy when you guys do it, that it just comes natural. But what they don't understand is, like any other athletic activity, the easier it looks and more preparations going into making it look easy. And, and, and so I happen to think that for every, this show is how long? Um, two hours? Um. Shy of two hours, yes, uh, an hour 45, hour 50, yeah, something like that. Okay, well, how many hours do you think have gone into these two hours 
that the other people don't see. <laughs> Isn't that something? Well, we've been working on it since uh, we came back September 1st. Yeah. So already a month and a half there, uh, working on it for six hours a day. Six hours a day, five days a week. And that's just saying what we're working about on the show. But uh, if you uh, take in consideration that we've been spending our lives honing the capacity oh, yeah, to yeah. do the steps, oh, yeah. then it's <laughs> 20 years or so of work. <laughs> wow. Yeah. When did you start dancing, Gabriel? How old were you? I, uh, I, started, I started dance in Sao Paulo, Brazil, with eight years old. 18? Mm-hmm. Eight. Well, he, eight. Started, he started eight years old. Eight. Yeah. Oh, okay, eight, because I was going to say 18. I don't think it was <laughs> no. so, so what is it about Brazil? So many of you all I know are from Brazil. What is it about dance in Brazil? Well, what, what happens is uh, it's a matter of contact, too. Uh, because I came 15 years ago, um, I have lots of contacts in Brazil because I am from there. So it's very easy to uh, know when dancers are on the right age and the right, you know, um, ripe technique, you know, to, to call a dancer in. And, and Kim works a lot of, of the, the dancers in the company, word to mouth, you know. So we know of a dancer that we think it's a good fit for the company. We tell her and happens is a lot of them are from brazil because you know it's where we come from and where we know people from but there is a thing that that happened in brazil uh there's a lot of there's a a exodus from other countries like russia and cuba and you know uh communist countries at the time because it was uh, first uh, wartime, it was uh, Second World War. We had a big influx of Russians. And that brought a lot of people that worked with dance at the time. Wow. So uh, end of the 40s there and beginning of the 50s, there was a lot of Russians coming from Brazil. And we got that influx. And then we got um, 80s, 70s and 80s, a lot of Cubans coming. So... Uh, we had these two uh, main schools, the, the Russian school and the Cuban school, coming to the country and teaching a lot there. So um, it developed dance in Brazil in a, in a you know, exponential rate. Every time a, a, a new teacher came, it just grew the, the, the medium there. And uh, what happens now is the young people, they're, you know, getting graduating dance schools in droves and and brazil doesn't have yeah and brazil doesn't have a lot of companies we have like in a country the size of united states we have like four or five big companies to accommodate i don't know a thousand dancers a year really yeah so you're gonna find brazilians all over the world you know they 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 graduate uh, it uh we have also like three main big schools in Brazil, the, the conservatory in Rio, the conservatory in Sao Paulo, and the Bolshoi school that's in Joinville, uh, the southern uh, tip of Brazil there. And this Bolshoi school is a, a you know, affiliate to the, the Bolshoi school in Russia, which, you know, it's high quality dancers uh, graduating in Vaganova Academy, you know, technique, which... Gets you a lot of dancers coming out of school and nowhere to go. Amazing. That's so interesting that Brazil has been a refuge place, it seems, for people who are getting out of uh, the other countries. And they're bringing the culture with them because what is so interesting about people think of Russia as being what Russia obviously is in the news about right now. But it's also so cultured. In terms yeah. of ballet, in terms of its artists, its writers, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, Russia, for, yeah. Russia had the the, the czars at a certain point buying, you know, the the 
the best that they could find of every everything that they could you know accumulate uh, art in every sense was one of those things and they had the best choreographers coming from france to russia and living there and choreographing there and setting the ballets there so russia was you know uh, one of the the great um exporters of everything related to dance uh, and it still is in the world that's amazing and you know the thing i always tell everybody you guys is that the russians and people like this particularly russia danced in buildings that are much much older than our country <laughs> yeah true <laughs> really and that's true yeah I mean, I learned that when some of the, uh, the the Russian ladies were here, and they said, "Were they? You've danced? Have you danced in Russia, Andy?" I danced in Russia. Uh, <laughs> it's a funny story because I danced in South Ossetia, and it's a part of Russia that you talk to Russians about, and they they say that's not Russia <laughs> because it's so remote and it's so uh, removed, and the, the people have. Of their own language, they they speak Ossetian, and uh, it's it's quite a, a different place. I never danced in the big capitals and or anything. Gabriel danced in, in parts of Russia that are a little more civilized, <laughs> but I went to the yeah I went to the boondocks. I danced in the places that are pretty uh, different. Well, you, does Gabriel know about you dancing in the Amazon? Oh, I, I, we never got to talk about stuff like that. Yeah, but <laughs> oh my God, yeah, but you know that Andy has once upon a time went into the heart of the rainforest where there was a clearing in a civilized town, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the middle of this uncivilized area, and they wanted dance. They had to have dance, and oh, so wow. Andy and your company, whoever you with, then went into the heart of the. Amazonian rainforest along the river, right, Andy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Along the river, the, this little—how big was that town? It was not big, was it? Uh, I would say eight hundred people. Eight hundred people. Oh my god! <laughs> and they had to have dance. I mean, I think I think that is one of the most remarkable stories uh, that I've ever heard about art. You know, here we are in the middle of. And Andy, I've not seen it, but I'm assuming it is everything I've been told. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it is. It is. It, 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 it's the forest wild. is gorgeous. And when you when you're in the middle of a a, a clearing made for you know to to uh, a settling of uh, workers because it was a, a big mining company that was setting up there, then it's uh, pretty amazing because uh, the 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 village ends and the, the forest right there in front of you. And it's like, you know, you, you get all the warnings that don't, don't pass this point because oh, man. you pass this point and you're inside the forest. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Well, I think you ever see what you missed by not being around for that trip. <laughs> <laughs> when was that, Andy? That was a few years back, of course. Oh my God. That was the end of the eighties. That was probably 87, 89. Wow, what was really wild then, obviously. Yeah. Very wild. So, Gabriel, you've um, uh, been pulled right into duty when you got here to play this part. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've been really promoting it, and I hope everybody understands that this is a fantastic group of dancers we've got here. These stories really help our community understand how you've trained and what you're all about. You've been doing this, for example, since you're eight. And um, if you, you got your mentor there to, to look forward to twice your age, I'm going to rub that in, Andy. <laughs> but still, by golly, one heck of a dancer. Don't get me wrong. Um, how about um, uh, what, do you, what do you think will be your, um, you know, your role already for the next dance? Is that Nutcracker? You've already got your role in that too, Gabriel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when does preparation start for that? Does it start right soon as the curtain drops on the, Right. <laughs> it starts actually uh, it starts last week yeah we already started <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> yeah in dance there's no such thing as you dance one thing and then you start preparing the other thing because things you know are one after the other so while you're preparing something you have to be starting the next thing too they you know 
interlap. There's no way to wait. Well, you guys are never out of shape. I mean, that's the thing. You, you all, you know, I don't know how many hours a day you stretch, but by golly, if the average human being did that, they'd be a heck of a lot better off. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I come in there, I just drop in the studio once in a while. If, if they're not on the floor dancing, they're stretching. I mean, it's this constant limber, uh, limberness. Um, uh, you did, you weren't, you guys, what people don't understand, I don't think, is you weren't born limber. Right. I mean, you didn't have double joints. I mean, you had to work at this. I, I, wa I was OK. I had to stretch a lot to get where I am. I don't know. Gabriel, he, he looks that he was already like, you know, a very limber boy. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> but I know you work at it. Right, Gabriel? You probably, you, how, many, how many? What's your routine? You start out stretching right in the morning and staying warm. Well, I, I'm not the guy that stresses. Uh, so hard every day but uh i have to do some ex some exercises of stretching because uh we are boys so our uh, muscles are more harder so it's more easier for girls to to be more uh, flexible yeah uh that's interesting the girls by just be by being girls are more flexible than males well that makes me feel a lot better you guys because i've been looking for an excuse <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, you're, see, you're too manly. <laughs> I'm going to quote you on that. I'm too manly to touch my toes, right? Dang. <laughs> oh, my golly. I'm going to steal that line. That's the best thing out of the whole interview. What's the story on Ward? Well, he's too manly to touch his toes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, boy, that's something else, huh? Talking to great, great guys here, Andy Valadon, who's been around the dance uh, group here for a long time. Really, I count him one of my good friends. And, and Gabriel, who's just joining a group and has already been put in the spotlight by playing Dracula. And I, you guys got to come to Dracula at the Phillips Performing Arts Center this Saturday, uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon for a matinee session, and then 7.30 at night. And that's the one time it'll be done. It is a, a, but the hours and hours of hours of preparation that have gone into preparing for a two-hour show is um, something you need to keep in mind, listeners and viewers, because uh, if it looks easy, it ain't easy. And the only reason it looks easy is all the hard stuff that's gone into it. Am I right on that, guys? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've often used this line, uh, uh, I ran across it, uh, and of course, I came to the arts through literature. And I read a lot of Ernest Hemingway. And Ernest Hemingway was very f fascinated by uh, grace. In other words, he watched the bullfighters. And he thought, wow, how graceful they are. They're almost like ballet dancers, you know. They, 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 they have this very narrow uh, clip, if you will, with the bull. Uh, and they're very courageous and daring. And they, they know they're limber and they can get out of the way and and he actually wrote a definition of what he thought grace was, you know, when somebody looked graceful. And he thought grace was maximum distance covered with the minimum number of movements. Oh, that's, that's very good to describe dancers. Isn't it? Yeah. When I say you all, fly, and to me it's fly, fly around that stage. In nanoseconds, it would take me a month to walk across the stage because <laughs> I can't touch my toes. It would take me a month to walk across <laughs> the stage the way you guys cover it in no time flat. And yeah, so, and when you when you see a guy with the, the this guy's girth, then it's <laughs> even more impressive because he takes a step and he does the, the, the jetés and the, the manèges and stuff like that to cross the stage and... What takes me five of them to cross, he'll cross in three. So it's, it's really pretty amazing. So that, yeah. so that's a good definition of grace, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Very graceful. Maximum distance and the minimum number of movements. And, and uh, th that's, that's, that's really a, something that stuck with me. And I really think about it every time I see you all on the stage. Well, listen, thanks for taking time out with your busy day. I know, Gabriel, you're going right back out to start practicing right now. And... Uh, you guys got a full day, six hours a day. Um, that's pretty tough, you know, and you all, you all do a great job of it day in and day out. 
We're about to take a break here on the Ward Scott Files now for the bottom of the hour. And thanks, Andy, for getting everything working there. Thank you. Um, you, you handled it nicely. And I was able to fill in for you and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of worry about you because I know, oh my golly, here's a snafu. Is he going to get it fixed? I can't help. I can't reach to the screen and help. Uh, and I always, I panic because, oh my golly, I got to, I got to start talking now when I'm prepared for these guys to talk, you know, what am I going to say? You know, I was counting on, I was counting on Andy and Gabriel to cover me. <laughs> well, have a great day, guys. We're going to take a break. And uh, Gabriel, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I enjoyed seeing you practice the other day and uh, I'll enjoy the show. So uh, stand by for the Ward Scott Files here at the bottom of the hour with our weather report coming up in just a moment. Bye-bye, guys. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Oh, a warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files here, Professor Ward Scott, in the manly. And it's a little toasty warm. We actually had to turn the heat on here at Windy Hill Farm today because when we rose with the sun, of course, actually before the sun, well before the sun, good hour and a half before the sun, for the sun is rising about 7.35 right now, Eastern Daylight Time, and it was 36 degrees, probably actually colder here because we're out in the country and frost all over the place. And uh, there you go. When you see frost on the grass, well, you have figured out no more grass. I mean, it's not going to come back the way it is. So we're earning the season of hay hauling and food supplementing and all that sort of thing. So it's been a little chilly and it's going to turn right around and get warm. But uh, we have um, learned to deal with all this in Florida, particularly where we are in the piney woods of north central Florida, where is um, a little bit of everything happens here, except we don't ever much get the really heavy wind from the hurricanes that come through. But um, ironically, it's going to be an unseasonable warmth that's going to return to the central and eastern U.S. right after this dip in uh, uh, Arctic air has come through here. So it's going to be a kind of a whiplash for you. So get ready for it. And um, meanwhile, uh, the flooding with the uh, uh, in Fort Myer area is subsiding and there's all sorts of new problems, of course, 
that we're keeping you so, uh, appraised of. Uh, the worst, of course, is something that was just sounds horrifying, and that's flesh-eating bacteria. Uh, what else can God rot on that place? And, um, of course, we have um, been rebuilding the bridge to get out to the, um, the areas there that would hit the hardest, and you know all about that. So we've really got a dealt a severe blow there to hundreds of thousands of homes in that part of Florida. It made landfall September 28th. It was a Category 4 right up one more couple of miles an hour to be the, the biggest one. Um, so it, uh, it, 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 it's surged with excess of 12 feet of water, if you can believe that. And it submerged many houses and feet of water in just a very short period of time. I'm always reminded of what James Dickey, the poet laureate of the country who wrote Deliverance told me, he thought the most frightening uh, natural disaster was rising water. And now that I've been through uh, these things as I've gotten older, hur uh, hurricanes bring rising water. Earthquakes go away, tornadoes go away, um, fires can be put out. But when that rising water comes, there's not a lot you can do to stop it except try to get out of the way of it. Of course, we've got a lot of mold problems. Uh, here in Alachua County, the sheriff sent help. Um, a lot of people in every area, all over the state sent help. Uh, so we've been able to pitch in as much as possible. Um, supermarkets um, sent help. So we we're trying to recover and uh, hopefully that'll be coming around. Uh, it'll be a long process though, but um, I, I predict that it will not stop people from coming to Florida because Florida under Republican control, control is a very attractive place. And right now we're going to have an interview with the chair of the Alachua County Republican Party, Ed Braddy, who is on location uh, preparing for tonight's super event, which is the Black Tie Blue Jean at Legacy Park in Alachua, Florida. So, Ed, are you there, sir? I have a blank screen right now. I hope you're there. I should be here. Can you hear there me? There he is. There he is. And Ed is really at work. I don't dare go near the place because he's threatened to put me to work. And... Uh, <laughs> He's actually sitting, as I can tell, in front of the stage on which the governor will appear later tonight, right? Right. We got the stage. We got the backdrop. Uh, we've had a, just an outstanding group of volunteers who uh, actually arrived yesterday to, began, uh, to begin putting everything up, including, you know, banners and, uh, you know, the vegetation around the stage, but uh, the, the tables, the centerpieces. I mean, it's really coming together great. We got a great team. Well, we got a very important question from a viewer here, Ed. Yes. This uh, viewer wants to know if you have been given donuts. <laughs> so as a, as a way to, you know, when you're the, when you're the chairman, when you're the big uh, <laughs> the way to keep staff uh, happy and content and working is to feed them. So I did stop by and picked up uh, two boxes of a dozen donuts. But uh oh I consumed them all before I got here. <laughs> so, oh, There's some potato chip bags and maybe some Lance crackers somewhere for the team. But um, but I'm actually I'm pretty full with the donuts for the rest of the day. Yeah, well, that's a harking. That's a, obviously a long time viewer who remembers us when you were the mayor of Gainesville, best mayor Gainesville's ever had, in my opinion. And we had a. Uh, 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 a donut day with Ed. It got so when I would go into the donut shop uh, each week, the um, people would know, oh, this must be the mayor's day here. They had the donuts ready when I went in after a while, Ed. Right. <laughs> well, hopefully, I wish we could repeat that. That was a lot of fun. Anyway, let's have a rundown of what we got on. Sold out right away, of course. Um, the people may be able to hunt and ground and find a spare ticket here and there, but it's a huge event. Uh, of course, we got I think the best governor we've had in the history of Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, he's uh, a, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's what we need at this time. You know, it, it, not just uh, you know because he stands for the things you know we believe in as conservatives and such, but the competency factor. You know, it's just the competency factor is through the through the roof. I mean, he got a bridge built in like a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that ever happened how many people drive down the i4 corridor and see you know the big machines that have been sitting there for decades right and uh and so we have a hurricane wipes out you know access a causeway and the governor bird dogs it until it's up in a few days i mean it's amazing 
but on all levels, on all levels, uh, it's not just that he stands for the right things. He's just an effective CEO of the state. Well, he's exceptionally well-trained and he's tough and he understands the battle we're in. I'm back down. Yeah. I mean, we're in a real, and thank goodness. You know, I have to, I shiver under the covers when I realize how close we came to not having him. Huh? Yeah, no. Could you imagine how the state would be responding to anything from 20, you know, from 2019 uh, till now? All of the different things um, if, if it was Governor Gillum. No, I can't. I mean, I tell you, you want an honest answer? No, I can't. I mean, we wouldn't have the battle for uh, the proper curriculum in schools. We wouldn't have the battle for uh, freedom of speech and, and uh, a pushback on open borders and support of economic growth. We wouldn't have any of that. And worse, there wouldn't be permitted a return to normalcy because what they would do in Florida is what the governor of California is doing now as he tries to position himself as the next great progressive hope. And Gillum would be competing with that. And so whatever you see unfolding um, in California would absolutely be tried here in Florida under Democrat leadership. No question about it. And if people think that Chris isn't uh, about Newsom replica for the state, why? Um, then they got another thing coming. So um, why are things looking in Alachua County? You're the chair and, you know, God bless you. You know, we talked early on about your role and whether or not this is something you wanted to do. And it's a tough haul, I know, because we got the university here and all of that, which it brings. Um, how, how have you been handling all the issues that you found on your plate when you became the chair? Um, well, you know, it's a challenge because, you know, Lachua County is a challenging county, but it, I think it brings out the best of, of our folks, you know, who want to step forward and uh, challenge the status quo, whether they do so as a candidate on the ballot or they are an activist who's, you know, trying to do their small part to help help our community be a better place. Um, you know, the, the challenge, though, I think from the general uh, community is, is a sense that nothing can be accomplished. And so there's, you know, there's a touch of apathy, I think, with some regular folks um, who are like, you know, why should we get involved and support? Uh, I, I would like to remind people, Ward, that the Democrats certainly have a political monopoly for the county commission, the school board, things like that. But they do not represent a majority of registered voters in Latra County. They're less than 50 percent. Um, they certainly have a lot more than Republicans. But when you add Republicans and independents, that's your 50 percent. So the, so we have an anomaly in the sense that we have 100 percent control of local power held by a group that represents less than 50 percent of the population. So that's, that's, you know, what I keep saying. So if we, if we sort of work hard, you know, we can challenge that status quo. We can disrupt it. I'm trying to do in my campaign for County commission. I know we have Ramey Eagle Glenn, who's appointed by the governor. She's currently in the County commission. She's running for that office. And we have Van Elmore challenging uh, Ken Cornell there. We're also challenging other seats. We were uh, very blessed. We had five, local leaders uh, who stepped forward to run for the uh, very important but very much undersold uh, soil and water management conservation districts right. that are established by the state in every county. And, you know, we want people who care about agriculture, who want to see a prosperous Alachua County where property rights are respected and where our farmers uh, can, you know, do what what we need them to do without being cramped by environmental activists who want to throw wrenches in all the machinery. And the thing is, we've always conceded those seats. We've never really challenged them. They're way down ballot. And uh, but this year, this past year, uh, the, the Florida legislature, uh, you know, we have locally, we have Chuck Clemens and we have Senator Perry 
uh, Chuck, on the state house side. We have Jennifer Bradley, also represents our area, um, state senator. Uh, they passed very important legislation that essentially wiped the slate clean and, and it's going to restart soil and water management. And then the governor signed it. So critical was it that he got it signed just 24 hours before qualifying ended. And, and as chairman, I was working the phones. <laughs> and I reached out to people like you. I reached out to Winston Rushing, uh, other you know, people who care about agriculture in our community. And uh, we came up with some names. And uh, I won't say if I twisted some arms, but I got a hold of who I needed to get a hold of. And we now have five men and women who are on the ballot for those seats. Those are very winnable seats. And I would say any of your listeners who, who shares our values in terms of caring about the future of agriculture in Alachua County and state of Florida, we need to pull out all the stops you know, to make sure that they get elected. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, you consulted me and um... And um, I'm just going to go through these names. We got just a second with us because it is down the list here. And uh, we have Richard Fiegel. Richard Fiegel, I've suggested to you, go get Richard Fiegel. He is a farmer. He is an archer fellow. Uh, he's very much involved, low key, but tough as nails. And I'm glad to see him. So vote for Richard Fiegel. I'm going to get right to Chris Trowell. is Ron Trowell's son, I believe. And Ron Trowell is a farmer. A former yeah, state farm. Yeah. Yeah, former State Farm uh, agent. Uh, Walt Boyer is a longtime Republican participant, I might say. Yeah, he's a staunch conservative activist. We're very happy. Absolutely. And um, let's have some help on down here uh, with uh, Renwick and Sell. Straighten that out for us. Patrick Sell is uh, with the... uh, University Foundation, University of Florida Foundation, they are, and as you know, they, they, they hold stewardship over many acres of land in Lachia County, thousands of acres of land. So they are important. Uh, so he has experience with, um, you know, he, he has a lot of experience with uh, land, with the, with the land management pieces that we're going to need. Uh, UF Foundation is a great steward of, of many of our, our precious resources and lands. Well, and I think IFAS is, for IFAS, us. Yeah. IFAS the other, is one of the most important places we got at the university. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. The, what, the about other, Holt, what about Holt and Lee? That's that yeah. category. Natasha Holt is running for the fifth seat. And she is just a dynamic young lady. Um, She's the daughter of Ray Holt, who was a school board candidate we favored. But she is her own person. She has um, so 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 in the family, in the Holt family, um, they have the Seabar Ranch out toward La Crosse. So again, a lot of uh, experience with uh, with land, land management, with agriculture. Um, and she's actually, I'm, I'm, I'm eyeballing her now because she's actually here helping set up. So she is a, a dedicated uh, young lady to, uh, to all the good things we value. And she's out there um, put, putting everything up. So, Well, you know what I like about these They're going to be here tonight. I believe the one of those, uh, Patrick Sell, cannot attend. He's in Atlanta, Georgia on company business, but everyone else will be here. And what I like about this, you recognize the importance of this uh, level on the on the ballot, if you will. Each one of these people is actually vested in the subject of the committee. This is right. rare in politics. If you might add, if you might agree or disagree, most of, you know we get people running for something they have no qualification. Actually, truthfully, no qualifications for, except they endorse some ideology. You That's know. right. And then that, well, that, that, that is her license. You know? here's, how I say it. here's how I say it, Ward. Uh, you've been around this. You know how left wing off the charts the DEC is, the Democrat Executive Committee locally. And you know they have their pecking order. And so people sort of get in line and then they're tapped on the shoulder to run for city commission or run for county commission or something like that. My view is this. For those that are just too loony to be accepted for a more prominent uh, elected office like city commission or county commission. For the real crazies, they say, hey, go run for the soil and management. 
<laughs> water. <laughs> Prepper soil and water because uh, no one because because they say Republicans always sit that one out and no one ever challenges them. So um, we're challenging. And by the way, it's a nonpartisan race. So um, so 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 this is really about the people who know how to be good stewards of the land, who know how to protect agriculture and who, who value things like property rights. Um, if the other side had that in their quiver, then maybe we wouldn't need to challenge those seats. But again, they go for the ones who want to impose agendas, agendas that are not organic to Alachua County. Uh, just what is the what is the most radical, progressive thing that's being done in San Francisco or Portland or whatever? And then, oh, that's what we want to do here in Alachua County. That's the view that has dominated boards like soil and water management as well as these other positions like county commission and, and such. So we are, we're putting up the fight and I'm, I couldn't be more proud of the, the men and women who are willing to step into the breach. Cause again, something you also know, it can get up, it can become a hostile environment. Well, you certainly have got all the uh, pedigree for uh, not only what you're doing now, but you're also running for the Alachua County commission. And, you know, if, if we could, Get you and Ramey and all, man, we could change things. Ramey's oh, yeah. a wonderful candidate. Um, she's kind of low key and yeah. not necessarily her, you know, she's not making a big splash the way some of these Democrat people do. She's but just I, I, the there's not as many candidate forms as I think we've had in years past, but we've had a few when there was a, a Zoom uh, realtors uh, form last night. And let me tell you, she was not low key. Ramey was on fire. She was on fire. She was taking it to him, and it was awesome. Uh, now she's. We we all know she has the right bedrock principles, and I think she's really coming into her own. And it's a pleasure to watch. Uh, she she knows what she's doing, and I think she's already made a difference. You know, there is the power of one, even if you're in a minority. Uh, just speaking up in ways they've never heard, and you know, it's it's so funny because. Uh, maybe frustrating is the right word, Ward. You, you sit through these forums and they're very polite. So you just hear people talk. And it's the same thing that I've heard for 20 years, you know, from, from the other side. It's the exact phrasing. It's the exact thing. And, you know, my point is, you know, if, if you know, we're talking about localized problems and problems that have only gotten worse. So whether it's roadway infrastructure and stormwater problems, whether it's housing affordability or anything like that, the faces on the other side may change every couple of terms, but it's the exact same ideological approach and the exact same wording even. And you just have to sit there. The voters should want a difference of opinion. They should want a different perspective uh, brought to bear. Well, and should be listening to those people whom they govern. And someone the other day said it so well to me because I hear, hear a lot, you know. Um, geez, I thought the main purpose of the commissions was to take care of infrastructure and to protect us. Yeah. Not all these things about, uh, you know, these wild ideological things that get embedded. Like, I'm not running it down, but Indigenous People Day, you know, so mm -hmm. you know, it replaces Columbus Day just by imperial decree by the mayor. You know, <laughs> I couldn't imagine you having done anything like that, but. Uh, that's kind of an example of what you're well, talking about. To the point when you know you're, you're the person who told you that's correct uh, in terms of what the county government should be doing, infrastructure stuff. But there's an interesting comment from uh, Commissioner Ken Cornell, who um, is not in the seat I'm running for, although my opponent lives in his district, of course. But she's <laughs> uh, the subject. But. Um, but, you know, he, he <laughs> so he made the point when he's advocating a new tax, the new wild spaces tax, because some of it's supposed to go to roads and infrastructure. Um, but he, he made the point, he said, you know, what people don't understand is that um, our public works department is entirely funded with the gas tax. And I just wanted to respond. It wasn't my time to respond, but I just wanted to say, folks, well, that's by choice. That the, the political body has decided to strain the existing gas tax to cover all kinds of services uh, beyond just roads when you have a gas tax supposed to go to roads. 
And so when, when people say we, we have we, we've un, underfunded our roads and so that's why we need a new tax before we impose that <laughs> buddy, we should say how much how much is actually allocated um, from the existing gas tax, how much of the general revenue fund is. We have other sales tax. We have other revenue streams. Just how much are we actually putting toward roads now? We, we probably need to realign the budget first before we consider trying to find new revenue streams. Well, you know, the example, I, I think you remember the one when I was chair of the Rural Concerns Advisory, we had some citizens, ladies come in who lived on rural roads and want to know why there was so much trash on the roads. And so I asked the public work director to come in and it all came down to this. Um, Hutchison, almost on his own entirely, decided it was bad optics to have uh, prisoners cleaning and mowing the roads when people entered Alachua County. Right, right. So by executive decree from the Politburo dais there, they did away with prisoners without asking the prisoners, by the way, who enjoyed getting out in the air uh, to take care of the optics, which they decided somebody without anybody really complaining other than themselves. Yeah. Nobody drove into the county and exclaimed. So then I asked the public works director, you know, how come there's this mess all over the roads and who's mowing them? Well, we pay county workers, the man said, to mow the roads now. And I said, oh, really? And you give them benefits and all this stuff because they're in county. Where'd the money come from? Rather sheepishly, he said, the gas tax. Yeah, yeah. So the gas tax, my man. Here's an example. It's, you know, it's in the minutes. You're yep. not using the gas tax. You didn't ask the public. Now, get this. Hutchison, on his own, does away with the prison labor. And then we got to still have the roads clear. So yep. on their own, they robbed the gas tax. They didn't go back and ask the public yep. if they could rob the gas tax. But say to your listeners and others that um, don't buy the prim, don't accept the premise uh, that that we just need new revenues and stuff like that. It has to do with knowing how to realign the budget, which I do have experience with having been mayor of Gainesville, having been a two term city commissioner, actually also having been a think tank director for the American Dream Coalition back be between the commission and mayor oh, yeah. when yeah. I. And we focused on land use, uh, property rights, transportation issues. I know that stuff backwards and forwards. Um, and I'm not saying that that I'm a know-it-all. You should vote for me for that. But what I will say is I know how the sausage gets made. Yes, right. <laughs> I know where to look and, and how to bring it out. And I will never go to the citizens and say, we need more money from you until we have done a thorough and exhaustive uh, reappraisal of how we fund things with our existing revenues. There's simply no reason for any kind of new tax because, um, you know, we are already one of the highest taxed. So when you add property tax, you know, your millage rate. And one of the things I'm, I, you know, I'd like to do is have a real substantial millage rate reduction that I'd like to peg to the inflationary pressure we've seen since 2021. Right. That would finally, you know, we, we do, the, again, the limited forms we have, Ward, we get questions about food insecurity, affordable housing, people living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, let me tell you, inflation is killing us. And, of course, that's, that has a national uh, source named Joe Biden. But the impact is local, and we don't have that many tools locally to offset it. But given some relief in, in the amount of property taxes you pay a year is a way to do it. So opposing new taxes is one and having a substantial property tax relief is another. And that would require belt tightening on the part of the commissioners spending your money without your permission. And I yes. think that's the biggest issue, spending your money, our money without our permission. And yes. that is really an example of beep. I can't say the F word because the technocrats with their algorithms and pick it up. You know what I'm talking about. But that is uh, perpetrated on the public. And yeah. here's the problem. And this is why it keeps me coming back to the show and people interviewing people like you. And we go way back. This is all about teaching. You know, if we don't teach people this, they're not going to hear it anywhere. They're not going to get it from the politicians. They're not going to get it from the brief blurb on the Channel 20. And they're not going to get it from the Gainesville Sunset. So, you know, we know, you and I know, as we say, where this doggone sausage is made and how it's made. So uh, we've got a minute or two left, uh, 1959. Hey, Ed 
Braddy is out at Light Now Legacy Park getting ready for a sold-out event. And what I wanted to conclude on, Ed, is we're talking about, well, Republicans are not in the majority of, of the people and the voters. In the, you wouldn't know that by that crowd tonight because it is going to be packed. And yes. I guarantee you there'll be some Democrats in there. <laughs> well, and people come out and they see people they have, that they didn't know. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, this has become a regional draw. So we have people all the way from Dixie County, my, where, where I was raised, uh, all the way out to uh, Duval. <laughs> well, we're going to let you go get back to work. I may drop by and just check on how you're doing. I'm not going to bring my gloves, though. <laughs> you're one of our local celebrities. So we... <laughs> well, thanks, Ed, for taking time out of your busy day. Thanks for the job you're doing. And uh, uh, we'll see you tonight. Okay, we just interviewed Ed Brady, who's chair of the Republican Party. He's also running for the Alachua County Commission. He's the former mayor of the Gainesville. Um, been on the air with him a lot. Really appreciate. I think he's the brightest mayor we've had in my lifetime anyway. And I go back to 1961. There were some smart, smart guys around here once upon a time. When we had five commissioners, now we've got seven dysfunctional people sitting up there together, still wearing masks, of all things. Okay, have a great time. We'll see you tonight. Ward Scott Files. Out. <laughs>